You are listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Glad that all of you are here today. Uh, as we're in this second Sunday uh, of Advent, the Advent season, this is the season of preparation for the celebration of Christmas. If you haven't heard, Christmas is coming. Are you ready? So we are preparing our hearts. And the inspiration for this series comes from one of the most famous traditions of Advent. Maybe some of you grew up doing this if you came from a more traditional church background. And that is the, the Advent wreath and candles. So each week we've been lighting a candle. And the candles each represent different things that we want to embrace in this season. Things like hope and faith and joy and peace. And on Christmas Eve, we're going to light the final candle that represents Christ, the Christ candle that represents the light of Jesus Christ. And so uh, last week, we lit the uh, hope candle that's burning today. And uh, today, we're going to add to that. We're going to light what is the faith candle. And this is known sometimes as the Bethlehem candle because it reminds us of the faith-filled journey of Joseph and Mary as they went to Bethlehem, uh, as Mary gave birth to, to Jesus. Now, the birth of Jesus was a new beginning. In fact, that's what the word Advent means. It means arrival or coming, as in the arrival of something new, the arrival of something new. But how many of you know that, that often when something new arrives, something old needs to go away? To, to embrace the new, sometimes we have, to, we have to let go of the old. Let me ask you this question. How many of you, you purge after Christmas when you receive all of those new things, all those new gifts? How many of you do some purging? If you're like me, I'm a neat freak. I don't like a cluttered closet. So if I get new stuff, some old stuff is going out. You know, you go through your closet and you find some clothes to donate so you can make room for the new ones. Maybe you find some shoes that you don't wear anymore out with the old and in with the new ones that you got for Christmas. Maybe some of you parents, you go through the kids' toys, right? You throw out all the beat-up toys that they're not playing with anymore, all the electronics you brought them last year that they broke anyway, if you're like me. You throw them out to make room for the new. Come on, where are the purgers in the house? Can I get an amen for purging? Some of y'all, you know what I'm talking about. And I believe God has some good things, some gifts that he wants to give to us this Advent season. But we have to be willing to let go of some other things to embrace the new. Come on, there's some things we have to let go of. I think God would say to you, I got some good things I want to put in your hand, but you got to open your hand and let go of some of the unforgiveness. Let go of some of the worry and the doubt and the anxiety and the fear and the bitterness because I've got some new things that I want to place in your hand. And so let's put the words of joy to the world into action and let every heart prepare him room. Come on, over the next few weeks, we are purging the closets of our hearts. We are purging our hearts to make room to meet Jesus in a fresh way. Advent isn't just about looking back to the first time he came. It's about looking forward to the fact that he'll come again, and he wants to come to us afresh in this season. So let every heart prepare him room. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. Today, I want to I talk to you about letting go of passive faith. What do we need to let go of today so we can receive something new? I want to talk to you about letting go of passive faith so that we can receive an active living faith. Now, what do I mean by passive faith? Well, sometimes our faith 
It has a way of just kind of living in our, in our minds. It has a way of just living in, in our hearts, but it doesn't always make a difference in our lives. If we're honest, sometimes our faith can become passive and polite and private. It's this nice thing. We might say, you might consider yourself a Christian today. You might say, well, I'm a Christian. I'm a person of faith. I believe in Jesus Christ. And that's wonderful. I think that is many of us in, in this room. But if we're honest, for some of us, our faith, it resides in this little private chamber of our hearts. And it doesn't necessarily affect everything else in our lives. It's polite. It's passive. It's kind of, of there. But because it's not alive and active in your life, you don't find yourself praying any prayers that move the heart of God. You can't remember the last time you prayed a, a, a bold prayer that moved the heart of God. Because it's kind of passive, that you don't find yourself ever stepping out in faith. You can't remember the last time you actually stepped out in faith, and if God didn't show up, you were in trouble. You, you, you can't remember the last time that your faith actually impacted someone else's life, that you actually shared your faith with someone. Come on, it's time to let go of a passive faith to embrace an active faith. In fact, James said this, James chapter 2, verse 17. He said, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. The point of faith is to be alive in your life, to make a difference in, in, in your life. What we see in Scripture is that God most often works through people who are available and willing to act. God does some of his best work through those who are willing to act in faith. Come on, I got good news for you today. You don't have to be the most talented person. You don't have to be the most spiritual person. You don't have to be the best-looking person, although we got a church full of good-looking people today. Hallelujah. Here's the good news. God is often looking for people who are just willing to step out and act in faith. Who can I use? He's saying, who can I use who will actually act if I speak to them? Active faith, active faith. And so how do we put our faith into action? That is the question today. How do we, how do we make good on the faith candle and put our, our faith into action? How do we move from a passive faith to a living, active faith? Well, I can't think of a better role model for us and Mary, the mother of Jesus. And we're going to look at her story today. What, what, what a woman of faith. What a woman of faith. I think so often when we, when we think about Mary, especially at Christmas time, you know, as we read some of these familiar passages, and I'm going to read one in just a moment, I think we tend to focus on what happened to Mary. You know, her kind of being a passive recipient, being asked to give birth to the Savior of the world, you know, although she's a virgin, like we tend to think about, wow, what a heavy thing, what a big thing that happened to her. But as we look at our story today, I, I want you to see something different. I want you to kind of notice this story from a different angle. I, I want you to watch and, and observe how Mary actively participate with, participates with God's plan to birth a miracle. I want you to notice her active faith. And so we're going to look at Luke chapter 1. This is, this is the backstory to the Christmas story, a passage that we often find ourselves reading this time of year, but it always speaks to me. I feel like every time, this, this time of year, I, I get into the, the Christmas story. I want to read about what was happening in Scripture. And so often when I go to this passage, I see something different every time I, I read this amazing story of this amazing woman of faith. So let's look at this. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 33. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Here's what it says. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Okay, stop right there. So what's going on? Well, earlier in Luke chapter 1, we read about how the angel Gabriel appeared to uh, Elizabeth's husband. Now, Elizabeth was a relative of Mary. 
And the angel Gabriel appeared to her husband, Zechariah, and told them that they were also going to be giving birth to a very special child, a boy who would grow up to become John the Baptist, okay? And now the angel Gabriel has gone to Mary, who's betrothed. She's engaged to Joseph, who's from the lineage of King David, which fulfills prophecy, because we know that the Messiah, the promised one, would come from the lineage of King David. Let's pick it back up in verse 28. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. He says, don't be afraid. I think most of us, you know, we like the idea of an angel appearing to us, but you would probably be afraid, confused and disturbed and afraid. I think most New Yorkers, if an angel showed up, you'd probably try to fight the angel. If you were on a subway, you'd be like, hey, I've seen everything. Get out of my face. I will fight you right here. Like, no, it's an angel. (laughs) only in New York would you fight an angel here's what it says (laughs) he says don't be afraid verse 31 you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus he will be very great and will be called the son of the most high the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever his kingdom will never end Mary asked the angel but how can this happen I'm a virgin Mary says stop the bus I paid attention in biology class like this is not possible. I have not been with a man. I've, I've been faithful to God. And, and this is what the angel says. The angel says to her, he replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and will be called the Son of God. Like Mary, what's going to be conceived in you is going to be of the Holy Spirit, not of man. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Some translations say, for nothing will be impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. What an amazing moment of faith here. What an amazing example of faith. Mary wasn't just a passive participant in God's plan. She wasn't just a passive participant in what God was wanting to do in, in the world. No, no. She had an active living faith. Do you see it? She, she came, she actively came into agreement with the word of God. And I believe the moment she said yes to God's will is the very moment that, that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit in her womb as Mary actively participated in God's plan, in God's will for her life and for the world. How do you put faith into action? I want to give you some ideas today based on this story from the inspiration of the example of this amazing woman of God, Mary. How do you put faith into action? Maybe you want to take some notes today. Here's the first one. Number one, be willing to wonder. Come on, everybody say wonder. Be willing to wonder. That's not a word we use enough. We don't use that word often enough. Be willing to, to wonder. What do I mean by wonder? I mean the ability to have a faith-filled, sanctified imagination. Come on, to dream some God dreams, to be open to some God possibilities in your life. We, we need to reclaim the ability to wonder. I love kids at Christmas time because Christmas, at Christmas time, kids wonder. They have, they have big imaginations. They're dreaming about Christmas. I think God says, God, God would look at his people and say, I could use some childlike faith in my people, some people who are willing to dream some God-sized dreams. Think about this. After everything that the angel Gabriel tells Mary, he tells her, you're going you're gonna to give birth. You're going to be pregnant 
by the Holy Spirit. And the child you're going to give birth to is going to be the savior of your people. He's going to be the Messiah, the long-awaited king who will come and not only redeem Israel, but actually redeem the whole world. After everything Mary hears, Mary's response is amazing. Look at verse 31. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. What an amazing response. Mary had an amazing capacity to wonder. Now, she had questions. Mary asked her some clarifications, but she opened herself to possibility, to God possibility in her life. Earlier in Luke chapter 1, uh, Zechariah, who was Mary's relative through marriage, right, her cousin Elizabeth's husband, um, he also received what seemed like really unbelievable news that he and his wife, Elizabeth were going to have a child in their old age, past their childbearing years. They both received what seemed like unbelievable news, and both of them had questions. Both Mary and Zechariah had questions about how what seemed impossible would be possible in their lives. But while Zechariah asked in doubt, Mary asked in faith. Mary asked in faith, open to the possibility of God. In fact, here's what Elizabeth said in Luke 1.45 to her, her relative Mary. She said, you are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. She had faith on the inside of her. God saw the faith on the inside of her. And I believe there are times when God is going to prompt us to trust him for something. I believe there are times when God is going to prompt us to have faith, to trust him for a breakthrough, to believe that he can heal our sick relative, to believe that he can provide for us financially, to believe that he can provide for that job, to believe that he can restore that relationship, to believe that he can set us free. There are times when I believe he's going to prompt us to have faith. But unfortunately, I think there are times that we respond more like Zechariah and less than like Mary. I think if we're honest with ourselves, there are times that we talk ourselves out of a miracle. We just start asking God questions. And I think God's like, let me just move on to somebody else who's willing to step out and act in faith on what I'm speaking to them about. An act of faith, an act of faith. Mark Batterson says this, one of my favorite authors. He says that at some point, most of us stop living out of imagination and start living out of memory. Instead of creating the future, we start repeating the past. Instead of living by faith, we live by logic. Instead of going after our dreams, we stop circling Jericho. Man, what a powerful quote. At some point in time, we stop living out of imagination, out of a sense of wonder, and we start living out of, out of memory. Come on, church, let me ask you this question. How is your capacity to, to wonder? Are you open to God possibilities in your life? Are you open to God showing up in your life and birthing something new, placing a new dream on the inside of you, revealing his plan to you in a fresh way? Like what God-given dreams in your life need to be rekindled? Come on, some of you, you had dreams for your career. You had a dream of going back to school. You had a dream of starting a business. Some of you married people, you had a dream for what your marriage would be like. You need to rekindle that dream. Some of you parents had dreams for, for your kids' lives. Come on, let's pray into that. This is a great time of year for our dreams to come back to life, our God-given dreams. Are you open to God possibilities? Are you open to God possibilities in this idea that, that with God, nothing is impossible with God? With us, it's impossible. With our abilities, it's impossible. With our level of faith, sometimes it's impossible. But I want you to know that what the angel Gabriel said to Mary is still true for us today. With God, nothing is impossible. He's the God who's able to do immeasurably more than all you could ask or imagine. His imagination is way bigger than yours. So let's tap into some God possibilities this Advent season. Here's the second thing. We're talking about how do we let go of passive faith? How do we embrace active faith? Number two, be willing to hear the voice of God. 
Be willing to hear the voice of God. See, Mary heard the voice of God. She was positioned to hear the voice of God, and she was willing to listen to what God had to say. She sought clarity. She, she asked some questions, but she listened. I think that kind of models prayer for us. In, in prayer, we ask and we seek and we ask for clarification, but we open ourselves. We position ourselves. We open our ears to hear the voice of God. Now, God isn't necessarily going to show up in dramatic fashion in your life like he did with the angel Gabriel, but he wants to speak to you. He might speak to you through scripture as you're reading your Bible, as you're in the YouVersion app, listening to it on your commute, you never know. One word from God can change your life. I don't know if you've ever had a moment like that where just a scripture left off, leapt off the page and it was a word for you. God wants to speak to you through his word. God wants to speak to you through a message like this. Many of you have come to church and you've had a day where you feel like the sermon was just for me. Like what happened? Was the pastor reading my emails this week? Like how did he know? Because the Holy Spirit knows how to get the voice of God to you right? Through his word, through, through a message. Maybe it's through a worship song that you sing. Maybe it's through another believer, a solid believer in your life who speaks a word of encouragement over your life. God is wanting to speak to us. I believe God is wanting to speak to us in, in this season. God is still speaking, but are you actually available to hear his voice? Like, are, are you willing to hear his voice? Are, are you positioned like Mary? Are you available? And would you even recognize his voice if he spoke to you? You know, lately I've been kind of driving my oldest son, Aaron, crazy because he's trying to talk to me quite often and I'm on my phone, you know, way too much. And it's football season. He's kind of like a, you know, basically an ESPN analyst when it comes to football, like somebody needs to hire this kid. And so, you know, he wants to talk to me about football stats. He's always trying to give me like the latest football stat and I'm on my phone and I'm like, you know, doing something. And he's like, dad, 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 dad. Right? And I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of nodding my head. And he gets to the end and he's like, did you hear that? That's amazing. And I'm like, I'll look up. I'm like, sorry, I'm, can you repeat that? Right? Come on, ladies, let me just help you. If a man is staring at a device, okay, he may, like, he may nod his head, but he is not hearing you. It's something in our caveman DNA that I believe goes back to when we sat around campfires and grunted, okay? If you are speaking to a man when there is a device of any size in front of him, <laughs> he is not hearing you. <laughs> and so I've been kind of frustrating him, right, because I've been too distracted. And, and here's the point. The truth is that most of us are way too busy and our lives are filled with way too many distractions and noises to, for us to hear the voice of God. Like, like God couldn't get our attention if he tried to. He can't find a space on our Google calendar. There's too many notifications. There's too many emails, too many texts, too much noise in, in our lives for him to even get through to us. And I think most of us like this idea of hearing the voice of God. Like that, that sounds wonderful. I would love for God to, to speak to me, but are you willing to position yourself to hear his voice? And if you heard his voice, what would, what would you do about it? As somebody posted a meme the other day that said, it's, it's hard to hear the voice of God when you've already made up your mind what he's going to say. Like, like, would you be open to it if he asked you to do something that looked different than what you thought he wanted you to do? If he asked you to make a course correction? Come on, if you want to have an active, living faith that impacts your life, you've got to learn to create some quiet space in your life so that God can speak to you. Some of you, maybe you're facing a major decision right now. Maybe some of you right now, like, you really need to hear the voice of God. Maybe it's for your career direction or, or something significant. And there's a sense, I need to hear the voice of God. Can I help you? Let me encourage you, tune out all of the other voices and tune into the voice of God. Limit the other voices, still your spirit. In the midst of this crazy, busy season, as we're making preparations for Christmas, can I just encourage you to carve out some time to get quiet and get in the presence of God and say, speak 
for your servant is listening. That'd be a really good prayer to pray. And I try to do that. I really do. In the midst of all the, the busyness, and I, we're busy this time of year. Amy and I are making preparations for, for this season. But the, the reality is for me, every time, this time of year, I try to remind myself, this is a season of worship. This is a season when I want to hear God's voice afresh. And sometimes I put on some Christmas music, some of the more worshipful Christmas music, and I just create some space to hear the voice of God. Come on, we cannot live without the voice of God in our lives. Here's the third thing. We're talking about shifting from passive faith, letting go of passive faith so that we can receive an active living faith. Number three, be willing to say yes to God's plan for your life. Be willing to say yes. Come on, when, angel, when the angel Gabriel showed up, Mary already had plans for her life. How many of you know that's true? She was just a young virgin girl, a young maiden who was engaged. She was planning a wedding. Come on, Mary was on Pinterest. She was picking out colors and menus and all the stuff that women do when they're planning a wedding. She was saying yes to the dress, right? She was practicing writing her, her new last name. She was thinking about her and Joseph and how happy they were going to be. She already had plans for her life. How many of you know this is true, that God's purpose is often different than your plans? Anybody discovered that? Anybody walk with Jesus long enough? Like God's purpose is often different than your plans. Look at this in verse 30. Here's what the angel said. He said, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now, in the context of where Mary was with her thinking, that could have meant a lot of different things to her, right? You found favor with God. Maybe for her, she thought, well, wow, that's, that, that's, I'm going to have a happy marriage. Joseph is going to turn out to be an even better husband than he is a fiance, and we're going to have a great marriage. Maybe when she, she heard favor, she thought, I'm going to be blessed with many children. Come on, back in Old Testament times, like women who had many children were considered to be blessed. And maybe she thought, man, I'm going to have favor, and God's going to bless me, and I'm going to build up the house of Israel by giving birth to many children. Maybe for her, she thought, favor, like Joseph and Mary, we're going to have a great life. God's blessing is going to be in our life. We're going to have a better life than our parents had. We're going to be more prosperous than them. The favor of God. But how many of you know God had something else in mind? Look at this, verse 31 through 33. Here's what he said. Now, here's, here's the favor I'm talking about. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever, for his kingdom will never end. The angel Gabriel said, God has a bigger plan in mind for you, Mary, than just his blessing on, on your marriage. Like You're going to give birth to the Son of God, to the Messiah, the long-awaited Savior who will save your people, who's actually going to be the Savior of the whole world. Imagine how overwhelming this news was to Mary. I mean, she didn't even fully understand the weight of what was just spoken over her life. And I'm sure she was honored and I'm sure she was humbled, but also fearful. I mean, first of all, to be pregnant out of wedlock in, in these times was punishable by death. I know that's hard for us to understand, but that's just how it was in, in, this, in this ancient society. Under the Jewish law, under the Old Testament law, to be found pregnant outside of wedlock, like Mary could have been stoned. She could have been killed for this. The public ridicule she could have faced for this. Not to mention that she had to break the news to Joseph. She didn't realize that on the other end, God had been speaking to Joseph. But imagine having to go to Joseph and say, hey, Joseph, I got big news for you. Like an angel appeared to me and I'm going to have a baby. All right, can you imagine, how would you like to be a fly on a wall in that conversation? And Joseph's like, I'm going to need some time to process this, right? <laughs> Come on, God's purpose is often so, so different than, than our plans. So different than our plans. Maybe for you, um, somebody in your family, somebody that you love got sick and 
and you're caring for them. You know, maybe, maybe some of you, you're caring for an aging parent and, and it's, it hasn't been easy for you and you didn't see it coming, but God has used that to, to draw you closer to him because you've, you've had to draw closer to him for strength, but he's also given you the gift of being closer to that person in this season. Often God's, God's plan is different than us. His purpose is different than, than our plans. Some of you, maybe you went through a season where you lost a job and it seemed like a, a really bad season, but it was, it was that moment that you finally started that business that you always had in the back in your mind that you thought, one day I'll start that business. And it was losing that job that became the catalyst for your business. Maybe the door closed on one position and it seemed like a really big loss at the time, but God opened the door to another position that's been much better for you. Come on, sometimes God's purpose is so much different than our plan for our lives. I hear this one quite often. Maybe some of you went through a season of life where a relationship came to an end and you were devastated. You were hurt. You thought this was the person I could see myself with. I thought, I was going to marry that person. How would I ever find a love like that? But come on, God had somebody better for you. Come on. He's a good God. I remember being in Bible college. There was a lot of girls. I thought, well, maybe I could marry that one. Maybe I could marry this one. And there was a few where it didn't work out. But come on, God had a little girl from Buffalo, New York, who could lead worship and organize a church like nobody's business. How many of you knew often God's plan is better than your plan. Often his purpose is better than the plans that you have for your life because he is a redemptive God who's able to work all things together for our good, for those who are called according to his purpose. His plan is sometimes different, but it's always good. It's always good. We've got to be willing to say yes to his plan. That'll activate your faith. That'll activate your faith. Come on, we're talking about some things that we need to let go of in this season so we can make room for the good gifts that God has for us. And we gotta let go of some passive faith in our life so we can receive an active living faith. And here's the fourth thing I wanna encourage you to, to do is be willing to give birth to God's will. Be willing to give birth to God's will. Now, we often focus so much on Mary's miraculous conception, right? The immaculate conception that we fail to remember the human element of this story by saying yes to God. Like Mary got pregnant. Like she was going to have a baby. She, she got pregnant and she eventually, she eventually delivered a baby. Now I've never been pregnant before, obviously, <laughs> but I'm, you know, I'm a married man. My wife, Amy, she gave birth to, to three, three boys. And whenever they act up, I like to remind her, like, you gave birth to these kids. They're yours, okay? I was there in the room. They, they all came out of you. <laughs> she gave birth. She was pregnant, right? And, and I, so I, what a beautiful phase. Really, I loved it when Amy was pregnant. Loved that look on my wife. Loved the whole mother glow thing. And, and, uh, but I learned some, some lessons about pregnancy that often um, pregnancy comes with some inconveniences. Do we have any mamas in the room who can say amen? It comes with morning sickness. It comes with having to pee a lot, not being able to sleep, strange cravings, exhaustion, especially toward the end. Like there's that season where a mother is, uh, a pregnant woman is glowing. And then there's that season toward the end when you see her, she's like, get this child out of me by all means, right? strange cravings. I remember when Amy was pregnant with Aaron, our first one, like I'd wake up in the middle of the night thinking there was a squirrel in the bed with me because somebody's over there munching. Like Amy was eating like a bag of crackers like four o'clock in the morning. I'm like, who is this woman in this bed with me? <laughs> There's some inconveniences, right, that come. But here's the reality. Sometimes in a moment of faith, God will ask you to do something. And in a sense, he's asking you to carry it. 
He's asking you to carry it for a season, and it's not always convenient. Sometimes it's to help someone in need. Sometimes it's to love a difficult person. Sometimes it's to sacrificially give. Sometimes it's to it's to serve even though you're tired. Come on, God said, I want to give you faith for something, but you're going to have to carry this thing for a season. You have to carry it to completion. How many of you know it may be inconvenient, but God's inconvenient burdens often lead to unimagined blessings? Come on, God's inconvenient burdens often lead to unimagined blessings. I can tell you some of the greatest blessings in my life were birthed out of inconvenient seasons. Some of the greatest blessings that I'm living in, some of the greatest blessings of my ministry, greatest blessings of my life were born out of inconvenience. And here's the reality. Not only was Mary pregnant, but Mary had to eventually give birth, right? She experienced all of the travails and the pain of labor and delivery, and she didn't do it in a nice modern, posh hotel room. She did it on a dirt floor in the midst of animals and smells and, and hay. Come on, I think most of us, we like the idea of God doing the miraculous in our lives, but we don't really like the experience of the labor that it's going to take to bring it to life, to bring it to life. We, we want God to do it all. Like faith, that sounds amazing. A miracle, that sounds amazing. Like why don't God just go ahead and show up and do that? But that's not how God works in this world. That's, that's not how God usually works in this world. Most often he partners with human beings. Most often, God wants to partner with human beings. He's looking for someone who's willing to come into agreement with his will to give birth to his plan in this world. And I think sometimes we miss out on the, react, the, the miraculous because we don't push through the pain. I think so often the miracle lies just on the other side of the pain. I think so often the miracle lies just on the other side of the inconvenience. I think sometimes the miracle is at the end of the process. It's at the end of carrying that heavy load that God has asked you to carry. I know Amy and I in our lives, we have some miracle stories that carry us. Every now and then we sit down and we meet people and we tell them the journey of our story. We tell them about our ministry from just young kids meeting each other and getting married after Bible college all the way through to planting this church, which is filled with miraculous provision. God sending people, God sending finances, God opening doors. We've got, we've got miracle stories. We have stories to tell our friends. We have stories to tell our kids of God's favor, of God's provision in, in our lives. But can I just encourage somebody today? Oftentimes those breakthroughs have come on the backside of pain. Often those provisions, often, often God's miraculous provision in our lives, often the breakthrough has come after a process of pain, after a time of carrying something heavy. Can I just encourage somebody today who life feels a little bit heavy? You feel like you're carrying a heavy load. Oftentimes the provision, the blessing, the miracle, it's just on the other side of that pain. Hang in there. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. He's a good God. He's a good God. His purpose is often different than our plan, but his, his purpose is always good. Come on, Mary came into agreement with the word of God and she gave birth to a miracle. She had an active faith, a living faith that not only changed her life, but changed the world. And I believe in this Advent season, in this season of preparation, this season of preparing our hearts to celebrate the birth of our Savior, I believe God is wanting to shift something in us. I believe God is wanting to shift us from a passive, polite, private faith to an active, living faith. Come on, there's a shift that He wants to do in you and me over these next few weeks. Let me ask you this morning, church, what do you believe in God for? 
Take a moment to think about that. What are you believing God for in your life? Where, where has God been asking you to trust him? Where has his voice been speaking to you and saying, I want you to trust me in this area of your life? How, how can you actively come into agreement with God's plan for your life, even if it's unfolding in a different way than you, than you thought it would unfold? How, how, how can you do that? Can I encourage you to be willing to wonder, to be willing to be open to God possibilities. God, rekindle the dreams that you placed in my heart. Not, not my ego dream, but your dreams, God. Come on, be open to hearing the voice of God. God, I'm going to carve out some room. I'm going to get still in a season of, of stress, in a season where people are, are working themselves to death, getting ready for the holidays. God, I'm going to make some room to hear your voice. And I'm positioning myself to say yes to your plan. My, my answer is yes. My answer is yes. Because God, I'm willing to participate with you. I recognize, I recognize that God, you, you do your best work simply through those who are willing to say yes. I recognize that God, your, your work comes to pass in this world because you partner with people who have an active faith. And may we respond like Mary, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Come on, somebody needs to read that out loud with me in faith today. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. What are you trusting him for? What are you waiting on him for? What's the need in your life? What's the healing? Where do you need to experience freedom? Where do you need to experience provision? Come on, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. What is God asking you to do? How is he asking you to step out in faith, to be a giver, to serve someone, to love someone, to initiate reconciliation. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Because here's the reality. It may be impossible with us, but with God, nothing shall be impossible. Amen. Nothing shall be impossible. Hey, why don't you stand with me this morning? We're going to pray into this in just a moment. We're going to receive communion. Can we just take a moment in this in this moment of faith, come on, just to bow our heads, to bow our hearts before the Lord, to activate our faith in this moment. Father, we thank you for this beautiful season. God, we thank you for this season of preparation. And we say this morning, let every heart prepare him room. God, we're preparing room in our hearts for you today. God, we are letting go of the old to embrace the new. Lord, today we're shifting out of a passive faith into an active faith to trust you to trust in your plan, to be open to God possibility, to open our ears, to hear your voice, to say yes to your plan, to recognize that God, you want to birth something new through us. And our prayer, like Mary, is to say yes. May everything you have said to us come to pass, not because of our ability, not because of our great spirituality, not because we have it all together, but because with God, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible for you. Father, we thank you for that today. We give you our yes today. I bless your people in this season. May every good plan that you have for their lives come to pass. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, would you say amen, amen, amen. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.